Hello, racing fans. Uh, this is Nahu Mikey P, Mike Probozzi, uh taking the reins from Edison Hatter, who happens to be at the racetrack uh, symposium on racing down at the University of Arizona this week with PTF. So he is giving the shows to us this week. So this uh, this is our Meadowlands show. We're recording this on Wednesday. Uh, this uh, will cover races for Saturday night from the Meadowlands. And I have two guests, uh, my usual, one of my usual co-hosts. And of course, we can't really, we don't, we don't have any introduction for him. He's just Ray Cotolo. Uh, thank you. I, I also like how when you're subbing for Ed, you don't go off of his script at all. It's always well, hello racing bands at the start of the show. Yeah, people expect <laughs> that. That's true, because they might hear your voice and then hear that and then go, wait a second, Ed's back. It's Ed. <laughs> Also, a uh, special guest here tonight, uh, a very good friend, uh, unbelievable, uh, I think, presence within harness racing, owner of Charlie May, amongst other horses, uh, Mr. Don Tiger. Glad to be here, guys. Before we get started, I want to say thank you to you and Ray Edison, everybody for the Nahu team. It's a great website. Uh, you guys are integral tool to harness racing, integral, I should say. It's it's great that you're out there. It's nice that you get a lot of exposure. I do see the Woodbine feed where Mike has his picks on. Um, continue to be pioneers and continue to do what you're doing because we appreciate it as fans. I appreciate that, Don, and we're glad to have you here because we, for me, you're somebody that that I I'm willing to pick up the phone and call. Uh, just you know, or you know, whenever I need an opinion or whenever I I have a question. And things about racing and i know you've been doing this a long time you're you're an avid avid fan of harness racing but also somebody that that's playing the horses on a regular basis uh with with a lot of success so i think that you're going to bring a lot to this pod uh we're gonna you know talk about a, a couple different things and and i think that we can you know do the handicapping but i'm more interested in picking your brain about wagering and and your style of things and just the, the way you you look at races yeah, that I, I always say this as a disclaimer I give everybody is I don't bet horses, I bet races because every race is a puzzle. And I used to love when I went to the jug, the guy that used to sell programs, he had a great jingle. There's a winner on every page. I kind of like that jingle. And and there is, the key is, is finding that and then putting it together the way you like to, whether you're a win wager guy I know you guys really like the multi-leg wagers. and They've become very popular over the years, and mainly because it's a big score. People like the big scores. But what's interesting is I run into people, and they're chasing pick fours, pick fives, pick sixes, and they never play a ticket for a big score. So there, you know, there's zigs and zags that go with that. But I would say right off the bat that I play races instead of horses. Yeah, and I like that philosophy, and and – and and that's something that even when you say that to me, that that opens my eyes and and helps me kind of evolve my thinking and evolve my betting to realize that you know you have to you kind of have to play different sequences and different races as something that that's kind of its own entity. I mean, it's it's uh, you know certain races are going to give you opportunities, and you you have to take advantage of what a certain race is giving you or certain sequence is giving you. So I think that that's something that that we can you know integrate into this conversation here. Uh, let, let's talk a little too about Charlie May. I, I know that he's he's taking some time off, uh, but uh, obviously Big Horse is going to be ready for next year. Uh, what can you tell us about him? 
He's doing fantastic. Uh, I kind of geared down about 18 to 20 races this year, and I think he had 17. Um, I kind of took a conservative path per se with him this year. There were some races that I had circled that I wanted to enter and race, and we, we kind of checked those boxes. There was a few that I really wasn't going to participate in, and I did. So the schedule kind of changed per se along the year, but Another great year. I think he won seven of 17, banked like 350 or something like that, 375. I don't have the exact amount in front of me. But I think the cool part for me, the pride of Charlie May is uh, he was good at two, he was good at three, and he was good at four. Uh, no disrespect to like Bulldog Hanover, who has become the fastest uh, animal in the sport and just an amazing creature and uh, goes out on top. But again, he had a great four-year-old year, amazing four-year-old year, just a good three-year-old year. So what I would say about Charlie May that I'm real proud of is he's done it every year. The only horse I can really think of like that had that kind of campaign was Arts Place. Arts Place was good at two, three, and four. And um, I'm excited about the future for him. We battled some health problems all year with him. I don't make excuses for him. I never have, nor do I apologize. But he, you know, these miles are big that these horses go. And, uh, it's, it's not like when I got into sport in 84, 85, uh, a lot of it where horses raced the last half and a lot of trainers drove their horses. The games changed. We brought in Dexter Dunn, the McCarthy's, you know, Yannick Jingra. I mean, you got top drivers and these guys all drive a hundred miles an hour. I mean, hence that's why our, um, uh, speed records or, or, you know, used to be a, a 50 mile was a big mile. Now it's a norm. Um, so there's a lot of, a lot of differences in the game and uh, it takes a toll on these animals. People don't realize if you look through some of the other good horses this year, like Rocky Road Hanover, I think the riggers are racing, uh, took, took him out of the game. Line drive Hanover had a lot of races in Canada. And then when he went into open company, I think it got a little tough on him and they soar up because these horses want to do their work and uh, that's where we have to manage them a little bit better. And I would say I pride myself in that when uh, Charlie starts to back up, I back up on him. Um, but he's right now, he's uh, on his vacation. Looks good. I just talked out uh, the, the farm that he's turned out at today. And uh, they said, you know, all systems are go. I'll probably bring him in in January. My original inclination is go to the Borgata because um, he just fits so well for that. He's so handy on a half. He can race on or off the lead. And uh, it's a nice series. So that, that's probably what I'm going to target. But, again, it, it can ch I can change gears on that. Um, he's Ohio bred, so we have a good middle-of-the-summer kind of Ohio program for him. Uh, the Meadowlands obviously has some nice races out there, too that will attack. And I believe next year, the breeders crown is in Indiana. If I'm correct, that's, mm -hmm. that's not far off where we're going to go. So we'll probably line those things up, not disappointed at all that the great bulldog Hanover is retired. Um, but there'll be new ones to come up by the missile will be there. I'm sure as an aged horse and you know, you lose some, you gain some, but I think he'll be a major factor in the division next year. We should that's also let the record show that bulldog Hanover never beat Charlie may. And I think that's because Bulldog was scared. <laughs> well, actually, that's an incorrect statement. <laughs> we lost to Bulldog twice, but I will tell you the two times we lost him, we had the nine hole both races, and we got parked in both races. The one Not was making excuses for sure. again. I just mm -hmm. would have loved. Um, I would. I would have gave anything. I'd have gave two hundred grand to have the same trick that Alleywag Hanover did in Lexington. 
uh, to have Charlie have that trip uh, behind Bulldog because my heart of hearts, I believe he would have went right by as well. So, um, but again, great horse. Don't take nothing away from him. I just, the only two times I raced him, I had the nine hole and I got parked and it didn't work out. In that respect, since he beat Charlie May twice, for those who were you know undecided on horse of the year, I think that seals it. There you Bulldog go. I appreciate that. <laughs> what, what other horses do you have right now too? I know you had what Shane Falco and some other. You had some other ones also. What what any other anything else to to talk about to update? Yeah. So the cool part is is literally all I have right now. Stipple Hanover, the mayor of Charlie May, and five babies. So wow. every year she has a baby. Shane Falco obviously was the younger brother of Charlie May. I'm very 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 excited about him. I don't know whether you're going to see him on the national circuit next year, but he raced all last year basically with a P1 fracture, and we just could never find it because he was such a tough horse. He would just gut it out in all the races, and then finally he showed us something, and we took him for We had multiple scans done on him, this and that, and we finally found it, and we're like, wow, this has been here. You can kind of tell on the x-rays. So we, we put him away, I think, in the middle of July, August or September, and he has come back physically like a terror. So I think that he's going to be a major player. The third baby down is a Delaware bred that was a little slow to the races, Laney Boggs. She didn't make it this year, but we're pretty sure next year she'll be in that uh, Delaware um, Sour Stakes program. Excited to be in that program, handicapping it. Uh, they the, the third place finisher paced in 58-1. and one. Um, So she's a filly. We're excited about getting in that next year. And then you guys are like the next one. The two-year-old is a Minnesota bred. So we're going to be heading up to aces. And here's the, here's the story with the Minnesota bred. It's the exact same breeding as Nikki Bella. And if anyone knows the story of Charlie May, Charlie May came about because I bought a horse called Nikki Bella and Tim Twaddle told me it was the fastest horse he ever sat behind. So uh, and she was a great Ohio bred. We just couldn't keep her sound. But it's the exact same breeding. Archchip was standing in Ohio when we bought Nikki Bella. And now we went back to the same cross. And uh, she's just getting broke right now. But I got the same reports at the uh, farm that she's special. So I don't know. We'll see what happens. And then the fifth one is a down by the seaside. Everybody and their mother is excited about me campaigning that one. But I'm going to call an audible. I'm going to put that one in the Lexington select sale. It's a cold down by the seaside, obviously is um, on fire. Pretty quite much the page too. Now yeah. quite the page, quite the page. And, and you know what? I got a young son. I've had a great run in the business. It's just a business move because the, the, the yearling pretty much, I think will sell between 150 and 300. And, uh, you know, that's okay. I'll take that money and run. So that's the update on those. And she's in full this year to always be Mickey. So we're expecting a full probably in like March or April out of always be Mickey. So. Oh, okay. I love, I love it. it. Yeah. All right. Well, let's go into some of these races. Cause that's what people are interested in. Uh, let's, let's look at race six Meadowlands. This is Saturday night. Uh, there's two pick four Saturday nights. And we have, starting in race number six, $50,000 guaranteed pick four. Uh, race six is winners of five, but not more than seven on the pace. And there's probably going to be a pretty big favorite in here, Ray. Yeah. Uh, what what do we think about the eight Duke of Cornwell? 
I've, first, it is that time of year because for those who have been watching the Meadowlands the last few weeks, you might have been noticing many horses like Duke of Cornwall shipping from down under to the Meadowlands for barns like Camilleri, Andrew Harris, these trainers that tend to deal with the import horses uh, for the most part because you know it's their, it's their summer now. So these horses that they might have negotiated deals with when they were racing, it was still the winter down there so they can just move continents and hemispheres to race in a somewhat familiar environment as they, you know, acclimate to their new surroundings. All of this to say, uh, I don't know what to do with trying to beat Duke of Cornwall. Because on one hand, there you could argue that maybe there is value to try and beat the horse because off a 25 and 4 kicker in that qualifier, maybe he's 3 to 5, 2 to 5. But the horses that he's facing, I can't really justify taking shots against because i have qualms with a lot of them the claw tends he tends to be one that can get close but he always just kind of struggles to finish the job i don't i'm not sure american classic is of the class or maybe even of the speed to keep up with this group odds on blockchain is kind of interesting but that now a ten thousand race last week is is a little iffy especially when bailey's rock upset there though nothing against bailey's rock it's her her winning that race or him winning that race made me think that that group wasn't as strong as it could be. And beyond that, other other horses raise a ton of question marks. So at least at least in this preliminary stage, without seeing how all of the money is laying into the pools, it seems like Duke of Cornwall is a single, and the only way you could not could go against him is to not like or not include him on your ticket is to just dart it. But you can't use him and someone else. Because that's just going to kill your ticket value, Don. You know this. This. This is from a gambler's perspective. Uh, my friend Al Mazes that passed away. He made all his money gambling, and he had a good positive ROI. Probably one of the smartest gamblers I knew. And he played with a very small budget, but he made his money between November and February because that's the overnights and that's where you start to really use your handicapping prowess. But not only that, your betting prowess. So I looked at this Duke of Cornwall and said, wow, what an amazing looking animal, nice kicker. And a lot of times these horses, when they first come in here, they'll qualify in like 56 and then come out first start and run in 49. And, you know, a lot of people don't understand the racing in Australia or New Zealand, but it's much more based on, the old days of what we did in the U.S. is endurance. They race longer distances. Uh, if you ever look at these things, they all look like Mack trucks on the racetrack. They don't send any skinny ones over here. They're always silver line pocket was one of the first couple to ever come over that used to race at the Meadows. All these horses looked physical specimens. And uh, I've cashed a lot of tickets on these horses over the years. And uh, there's nothing wrong with this one. But the only thing I can say, and he looks quality because any horse that's six of 13, you know, they're sending him over sweet Lou. He, he's probably something special, but he hasn't raced since uh, September. Nice qualifier, but he did get 29.57 and then sprint home. Sometimes they still need a race. So like, as I much, I respect Ray's opinion. It's also a horse saddled with the eight hole. Um, are they gunning? I don't know. Maybe not first start. Maybe they're floating. Maybe they're, you know, coming off cover. But uh, I wouldn't be a, afraid to try to beat him in this uh, spot. And uh, the only other horse I saw, which is odd because they're two outside horses in a short field, is American Classic as well. 
Um, here's what I do as a handicapper. If you look close at the PPs with American Classic, he was off 30 days before his last start. And I always love that angle because if a horse is off 30 days and comes right out and fires, you know, I don't know whether well, they might have laid him up a minor ailment. It might have just been his schedule, but then he's right back in the box. Sometimes you're going to see improvement there, and he's been well backed by the public. Uh, I don't know how fast he is. I don't know how good he is, but he's 10 of 13 as a three-year-old, so he obviously had some immature issues or something. But this horse could be could be pretty good too, and he, he shows leaving the switch. It wouldn't surprise me if he got out there and got a seat early, but those are the two horses I would key in here. And all the others, they look like conditioned horses that are trying to find their way, but I could play either the seven or the eight here. I tend to agree. I, I did watch that that uh, Duke of Cornwall uh, qualifier, and that was quite the qual. I mean, that horse looked very good in there. Really, never looked a, a loser. Just cruised on the front. Uh, the horse in the two hole was chasing the entire time and couldn't get near. And then he never even lifted a line and, and kicked twenty five and four on a sloppy racetrack. Uh, but like Don said, you know, sometimes th- these horses look very good, and then all of a sudden they show up when the lights go on, and and it's it's more difficult than they expected and American classic. I do feel it has a chance. And, and when, when this horse added Lasix, you, you see a huge difference in him. Uh, went 51 and four at Pocono under wraps. And then like Don said, off a month shows up at the Meadowlands and, and wins on a sloppy track and, and kicked home in that one as the favorite. I would imagine Dexter will, he's named on a couple horses in the race. He should land on this horse, especially if he does, I think that that's a sign of confidence. So I would be willing to double the ticket here. I know Ray doesn't like to do this, uh, <laughs> but you're, I think the value is enough in doubling this ticket because of the disparity. I believe that the eight could take a lot of money in the race, and you're going to eliminate a lot of the pool using the seven. So I would probably be seven, eight in that first leg. Well, what's nice about this being the first leg, too, is I can watch the ho- and anyone can watch the horses scored. You can see if maybe one doesn't look up to the task. Maybe uh, your burrito is ready and you can go fetch a meal because you just trust your opinion. Or maybe uh, you you see the horse and it affirms what you think is on the lines, which is this horse is ready to go. Like, I remember a couple weeks ago and Mike, Mike, I was harping Mike about this. There is a horse that. Uh, was it the Meadowlands named Three in Heaven, who would always parade like a monster, and then you'd watch him race, and he's empty every time because he's putting his all into the post parade and not into the race. And then all of a sudden, when he finally settled and he got a nice trip at the at at, at uh, the same class, I think it was like his third start in his in the U.S., he won a twenty six to one. So there is some value too in trying to use the the allowance of this being the first leg where you have time to look at the horses on the track, see if there's anything that's standing out to you, even that's not on the page, because God know if I see Duke of Cornwall and, and Andy can barely hold on to him, he's maybe tossing his head on the track. I might, I might go with the seven because to me, it seems like the eights going too hard and over racing before the race goes and might not put in a good effort first out so well it's true that that horse did win at 26 to 1 he was 3 to 5 in his first start and was i think 6th or 7th so there's something to be said for that also uh, yeah I mean, and he like needed, I, yeah. he needed a couple well yeah and and it, all of that goes into the temperament that you were seeing in the post parade so we we have an advantage in that way where we can see how the horse looks how he's moving if he if he's out of his mind or not agreed yeah oh. 
Okay, so let's go to race seven. Uh, this is a Trackmaster rating eighty six. These goofy Trackmaster rating conditions yeah. and things. I, I'm not. Uh, I don't know, but uh, I feel like this is a spread race here. This is uh, fifteen thousand on the pace. Don, what say you here in the first or in uh, race number seven? Uh, you just stole my thunder. Um, I'm fat bald guy out here. Who uh, anyone doesn't know who fat bald guy is? He's a a thoroughbred handicapper. He has his own uh, website and he plays a lot of all tickets. Um, I couldn't figure this race out. I mean, th- it's a driver's race. You know, a lot of these horses are very similar. Um, you know, the, you, you don't have any standouts in here, in my opinion. So whoever gets the trip's going to win. I guess if you forced me and said, hey, we really want you to give something, I'd probably stick with the uh, down under theme here today and maybe come back with Bailey's Rock N. Uh, was a bomb last time out, but uh, 25 to 1, you're, it will be a much shorter price here in this effort. Um, you know, you stick with the current recency form and say, wow, this horse is, is doing pretty well. The... Uh, the others, like, they just seem to be tripping over themselves. And I can make cases against more horses than I can make cases for. So, uh, you know, I definitely would be uh, uh, all burger in this race. Right. Uh, I, I understand the logic. I think there are certain horses I'm willing to not take shots with. Like, for example, I... I see the one had, you know, three six scratches, came back and won first out at freehold, uh, then put in a fairly even race on a track that's off. I I'm willing to take a chance that that horse might not be in strong contention. Same way with the two level up. Uh, these Plain Ridge horses are hit and miss a lot of the times. And th- this one didn't really show a whole lot first out for me to think that this next start would be the start for him to pull off any kind of upset. And it, all, all, of, all of this to say that this is one of those races where I kind of go process of elimination of what horses might stand a, a, a decent chance. Now, price wise, I don't, I don't think they're going to be great prices because they're also, this is also kind of an obvious look like Bailey's rock might not be that good of a price here. I think he might fit this class despite winning last out against weaker just because, you know, PD, the big easy looks like that horse was having some kind of issues. Uh, Bobcat Bay's drawn way too wide saying grace is always finishing evenly, never really doing anything beyond that revolver is a somewhat even finisher too. one at the bottom level two back. And then last out did absolutely nothing. So in that way, I'll take a horse that can trip out and make his way into the race. This horse has finished second, third, second, first, always gaining ground at the end of the miles. And sometimes that's just what you need in a field that is mostly stagnating and trying to get their feet under them. Uh, Aside from Bailey's Rock, the only other two that I could even think about using are Adam Crocker. I just tossed that last race completely, went to the lead, went kind of a fast first half on that sloppy track that wasn't holding speed, and then went to the back of the field and then the three prairie panther uh went kind of an even race on that track last out just gonna toss that mile completely this, this horse might be okay on the bigger track he was doing real well over at batavia so it, it seems like he might be able to get some kind of spot up close and then like don said in a way this is a driver's race so Corey gets away towards the middle of the pack. I trust that he'll put that horse will be in prime position to strike in whatever way he can. The worst that happens is he just comes up empty because, but I don't, 
like it's it's tough to really see what horses are really going to have a whole lot in the tank in this race. It's a fairly level field, in all honesty. But I I see only three horses that have any live chance. Okay, so a couple observations from me. The the five looks to be adding Lasix. Okay, mm-hmm. uh, after a, a front end type mission, and like you said, that track wasn't favoring speed. Even though he was he was bet in there seven to two in that race, this is I, I feel like a drop compared to what he was facing there. So I think he's a use uh, Prairie Panther. I mean, anybody that's ever watched a race at Pompano, this horse had the track record at Pompano for several years. He has sixty two lifetime wins. He's made five hundred seventy six thousand the hard way. I mean, he's never been a stakes horse. This horse is is doing that, winning a hundred thousand a year in overnights. I mean, he's eight years old. Now, you know, he's doing well at Batavia from off the pace, uh, even though he's getting uh, you know, up close kind of trips. I mean, he can do it anyway uh, from outside post. So I, I think that he's a definite use. Uh, the seven, like you said, he, that horse, tough, bad post at Yonkers. Uh, you have Colifer there. He tends to win with these kind of horses. This horse has, you know, big track wins on his card. And then Bailey's Rock, uh, this horse has, is probably the best form, steps back up again. The horse is racing well enough, should be finishing the mile. The only other horse I might think about would be the nine, just because it's Drennan. Uh, but off a break, probably is going to be trying to get a clean line. So I would probably be more like a three, five, seven, eight in race number seven. Definitely a tough race, though. If Go as deep as you possibly can in there. Uh, the eighth race, numbers of 10,500 on the pace. And uh, I found this race a little easier than the last couple. Ray, what what do you like here? So this is where my ticket gets a little uh, caveman-y because I, the, I think to structure this ticket, it kind of goes through Toronto. They're, Toronto's burned a lot of money, but also it's not like the horse doesn't have any kind of ability. He just keeps getting into his own way and costing himself wins. You know, you can kind of forgive that first start back since the first start back. Second start back uh, from post 10, kind of sat back and then got caught into traffic, then got sick, and then last out they were decided, I'm. they decided we have the best horse in the race, we're going to go, and then whoever else was on the lead said, oh, you want the lead? <laughs> You're going to have to work for it. And then... He, re- he reasonably faded to finish seventh in that race. So he gets a drop in class now. I he's, a, he's an incredibly obvious horse to use. And so in that way, I'd probably structure two kinds of tickets. One with where I would probably play it for like two or three dollars, singling Toronto, and then another one for less spreading with Toronto. So I could also, you know, cash it if Toronto wins uh, with three other horses that might stand a chance. Speedy Dominic on the class drop, th- this horse always fits around these levels and when a good race last out to lose to ocean ridge in the claw uh, was the favorite last was the favorite there in that race is going to be in a spot where he can win uh catch me conrad's another one that could possibly be in a good spot maybe an okay price he's dropping in class he was 20 to 1 last time he was at this company but also people saw what he did at 20 to 1 so we're probably not gonna we might be looking more at like a 4 to 1 5 to 1 situation which might not be that bad and then on accident, I don't see him going to the lead here. I would, I don't know why they've been putting this horse on the lead. He, he's, he's more of a grinder, if anything. And then he just always kind of just get. He hasn't been putting into a into a spot to strike. In all honesty, so I, I centering around Toronto on one end, and then I'm going to be four deep on kind of like a saver where I go three, six, eight, nine. 
Catch Me Conrad, I'm sure, is a horse that Don can tell us about. Uh, definitely Ohio fair type horse. Yeah, Catch Me Conrad is actually a uh, Indiana bred, so um, not completely familiar with him. Um, looks like he had a couple lines up there in Michigan. Um, the Harmons, obviously, that's their hotbed. That's where all their 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 Michiganites, and uh, obviously Rob uh, matriculated east. Don, I believe, is still over there, and uh, you know they're kicking around. They race in Ohio a good bit too. I like the one three eight here. Um, going back to that qualifier with uh, Duke of Cornwall, uh, Belmont Royal N. Here's another horse drew the rail, got away fourth, and and. Her uh, raise analysis, the horse in the two-hole was chasing. This horse was able to come off of uh, cover and, and looks like finished up okay. Uh, good kicker on the end of that one as well. Um, obviously, if Dexter drives this horse, that would entice me even more. But well-positioned inside, should get away mid-pack and make a rally. Uh, obviously, I think the three will end up the favorite in here with the slight dip in class. Toronto down in class two, both of those horses, the class droppers to me, they fit and they look good. So I, that would be one, three, eight in here for me. I I don't know what to do with Toronto. I, I just, it's, it's difficult. Uh, like Ray said, maybe this horse should have won a couple times now drops again, but missed them, you know, and missed another week. Uh, just, they just can't seem to get this horse maybe healthy that that could be, an interesting question when he is healthy, he is fast enough, but he's going to be over bet again. So he might be the horse you want to try to take a shot against, especially when we're a little bit, at least in the first leg, a little bit chalky. The second leg is very wide open. This, this leg, I feel like Toronto is definitely going to take a lot of money. Uh, Speedy Dominic, I think is obvious. Uh, Some of the guys that I talked to, they liked this horse last time coming off that race on, November the 26th, where the horse really had no room whatsoever and, and flew late at 40 to 1, uh, was driven aggressively last time and, and couldn't quite hold up to that move. This horse is sort of better when he gets a trip, and I think he can get a trip. So I think he needs to be used. One horse that wasn't uh, really mentioned is the 9 on accident. Uh, this horse has shown speed, was up front last time on a track that wasn't favoring speed and just missed while bet. Uh, now it steps up a little bit, but I don't, you know, I, I think maybe there's a few better horses in this race than the last time. But I mean, the, I, I think that the post will keep this horse's price high. And I think that he could definitely win the race if he, he kind of gets a trip. And then like Don referenced the one Belmont Royal, if you liked Duke of Cornwall, then this horse raced very well in that qualifier, finished up pretty well, was passing horses late, was never catching the winner, but Another import that you know, Nifty Norman is is training. I mean, what's not to like about that one? And he could get a little bit lost on the board, depending on what happens with Dexter here. I think that that's going to be a key. So I would be one three nine there in race number eight. So let's finish this pick for race number nine. This is a claimer twenty to thirty thousand on the pace. Don, how do you get paid in this first pick for? I'm back to the imports. I was 1-8 here. Texas Terror and solid gold end. Um, I thought this was the leg where, you know, it finished up real good. Uh, uh, another handicapping, gambling angle that I love to play is beating favorites coming back because they tend to get ignored. Um, I did not see this race, uh, Texas Terror end, so I can't speak of it exactly. I'm just going off the lines. 
what looks like a quarter pole move, fast half, um, faded off of that, but was 220 on a dollar. And when I, I went through this field, win place and show, I watched this horse race last week. He got an absolutely great trip, just sat along the rail. Horse did dirty work and he came off and, and won. He's up in class, so I, I can't use him. Kind of like uh, Ray did earlier, he was picking a lot of reasons why not to use horses. As I handicapped this race, I just kept going down saying, I can't use him, I can't use him, I can't use him. Um, the one beaten favorite last time out, the eight solid gold end beaten favorite last time out, burned a lot of money, was three to five solid gold end. And that was a Dover. Um, Chuck Christman's a sharp Delaware horseman. He has been for years. They're shipping this horse up here to the Meadowlands. Um, bigger track, uh, should be able to pace a little bit faster. Shows a mark of uh, 51 at Dover last year. Hasn't been real active at the box. Only 12 starts in the last two years, but does have seven wins. So there's obviously some talent here. And uh, when this horse is right, he looks like he's pretty good. So those would be the two that I would stick out here. It's interesting what Todd McCarthy will do in this race too, since he's listed on both of them. And and part of me thinks he's going to take Texas Terror over solid gold just for being familiar with the horse. I don't know if you saw that race on November 12th, Don. This horse was last and then everyone moved off the pylons except him. And then he just had a straight line to go by all of them and went at 10 to one. So that, that race caught my eye. And then you see a race like that and you go, okay, well he got an absolutely perfect setup. What can he do from there? And in respect to the horse, he's been showing himself to be better than needing a perfect trip. He put, he went right to the lead in his next start. And then they said, okay, that's probably not the move. And then they were aggressive right off the gate again. They're aggressive again. They, they, they believe in this horse and they only have a couple races left in him because that's he's got a, you stole yeah. my thunder. I was just going to say that I was going to point that out. His racing career ends in two or three weeks. So obviously mm -hmm. you know that uh, they're going to be driving him aggressively and trying pretty hard. That was another reason I really liked him. Yeah, and I, I like that kind of get up and go and the assertiveness that he's been showing in his races since that perfect trip versus solid gold, who maybe he's been racing against better. That That's that's a lot of money that they're going for down at Dover. But the my one issue is he's always kind of finishing one pace by the looks of it. He's gaining ground, but he's not really he's not really lifting into another gear. And that might play against him from on, on this track, especially where other horses can hit their best stride in a second. So I agree with Texas terror. I take shots with two other horses that might have some kind of chance. I'm interested in mock time on the move up in class because three starts back was in a GSY race, went, went gate to wire at 27 to one. And then the start following at, at Harris, Philadelphia, went an okay trip to finish third and then went a ridiculous mile as the favorite last time to finish fifth. But I, I'm a fan of these horses that can go that fast, but they just go fast at the wrong time in the race. If this guy gets Dexter done in the sulky, I imagine, well, for one, the price is probably going to go down, unfortunately, but he might get a much uh, more tactical drive after showing that he doesn't have the grit to go that the kind of trip that he did on December 2nd. Outside of him, a better beach one here, on the sloppy track last out perfect setup, but also has good lines at Pocono against similar. So I have to think that this horse might also be able to get into the mix. And at the same time, 
Travis Alexander's barn has been running pretty well over the last couple of weeks. So there's, there's a benefit to that as, as well. But in my process of elimination, one, four, nine are the only three horses I could really use. I agree on the one against it last time inside draw. They're trying hard. You know, the horses won eight times this year, 94,000. That's quite the year for a 14 year old horse. Mm-hmm. I think that uh, he's he's an auto use. Uh, I'll try to beat the eight in here. I agree on the nine. Beat the one last time. Got the right connections. I like that he shipped to the the big track and converted. Uh, this horse's winning races has won three out of its last five from off the pace. Not easy to do. And the horse is backed almost every time. I mean, look, this horse was sub three to one off those Pocono lines, and the horse had missed a couple weeks prior and still came and showed up and won. Uh, the only other horse I'd use, and I think it'll be a price, is the 10, better be Oscar, who's racing from outside post at Yonkers versus higher claiming horses. Those are tough races. He's not getting away well in any of them. He's made almost 84000 this year. He's going to be a huge number on the board in a race that almost anything can win. There's not really anything that's a standout in this race. And if you're looking to get paid... I think that he has a shot at an overlaid price, especially in multi. So use the ten in that last race. Uh, we'll, we'll, we can go our let's let's go with our tickets at the end. I think. Okay. We typically do that. So if you if you don't have tickets put together, we'll we'll go over our tickets at the end of the the card. Uh, we'll take a little little break from handicapping here and. Maybe talk a little betting because we're going to split the pick fours now. We have four more races to talk about, but I wanted to talk to Don a little bit about the, the way he likes to attack races because watching him, when I, when him and I go and, and I see him play races, he plays races completely different than I do. And, and like he said at the start of this podcast, I play races. You know, talk about Don, especially like how you like to play Maltese, even with thoroughbreds. Don't, don't limit it to harness how you like to attack tries and supers, things like that, how you like to play there. Yeah, it's – I'm going to give some love here to Barry Meadows, uh, who's one All of right. the – Yeah, he's one of the guys that, uh, I, I want, you know, for lack of a better term, taught me what to do, you know, and he has a great book, um, Complete Guide to Harness Racing. I think you can mm-hmm. still get it out there. It's kind of neat because when he wrote it, it's old school. It doesn't even have a uh, – uh, picture on the cover, but uh, Barry did a great job. I believe he still lives in San Diego. I, I email with him occasionally, but to start out, what Barry said is he basically said you got to set up value and understanding value, and I think that's the biggest thing when you're gambling is how to figure out that value. So I get in these discussions which make people laugh. There's races I can bet Bulldog Hanover at one to nine and find value. And then there's races where I can find a 40 or 60 to one shot. And I'll play that horse for third and fourth, third and trifectas, fourth and supers and make a big score just by him running underneath. So that's what I would kind of say is like getting back to how I play races instead of playing horses. I try to figure out, what I think can happen. And then, uh, and going back to Barry Meadows and a lot of his philosophies, if to, to give someone just a quick Barry Meadows for dummies book here on how to bet thoroughbreds harness, which most people reading Barry Meadow are dummies. Cause I say that cause I know Barry, Barry's a longtime family friend. Barry is a great dummy. He's the smartest dummy. I know. 
<laughs> I like that. But <laughs> he breaks a race down of saying, okay, what's the chances the one has, the two has, the three has, the four has, and you assign values to that. And in simple terms, even if you're just playing win bets, you can figure out what's value and what isn't. And I think any of the listeners, if you really want to get sharp someday, cut out the morning lines in your program and handicap a race and assign yourself some some lines. And just doing that and betting off the value of the overlays, you could be successful. But when I look at a race, I, again, I look at the race and I try to find value. And then I try to find the way I think the race is going to unfold. Sometimes I'm trying to beat favorites. Other times I'm trying to, you know, like like a Bulldog Hanover, for example. I don't know how many times he raced this year. Let's just say 17. I'm just throwing a number out. He won 15 of those 17 races. So if you played a couple heavy exactas underneath him, which I did in a couple of those races, you can catch a nice ticket. You know, you can catch basically like just say a $20 exacta and maybe the horse that was running second had a four to one chance of running second. So that's value. That's a, that's, that's an overlay. So like, fortunately we can see the will pays in the exacta pools. We can't do that in the tries and supers, but, or the, the multi-leg pick fours, but it brings to another point, And this is more the dichotomy of, of a gambler when you're playing pick fours, if everybody in the room hits the pick four, it's not good for you. So you want to be able to scratch your head just like we handicapped these four races. Basically, these four races that we handicapped, we came up with pretty much similar ideas. There were some horses we never mentioned, either one of the three of us, and I consider you guys both very good handicappers. But the reality is, in a race of that, in that sequence, we could get a pair mutual puzzler that we scratch our head at. And that's where the tickets pay. And that's where the difference is, is from handicapping and gambling. And that can change for track conditions, drivers, um, all kinds of stuff. Sometimes win biases. So you have to be able to zig when everybody's zagging. And uh, those are all good things as far as like what I do when I look at races. Usually when I hit a superfecta, it's because I keyed the horse for fourth. You know, people tell me, how did you hit that superfecta? I keyed the horse for fourth. And some people just can't understand the logic of keying a horse for fourth. But if you like a horse and you think he's going to run on a ticket, it works a lot better in thoroughbred racing, I will tell you too. Mm -hmm. And you key a horse third or fourth, third in the tries, fourth in the supers, and you put a decent amount of money into it and you get the right numbers on top. I mean, I've caught seven, $800 tries, uh, multiple times. Uh, well, look at the Derby this year. I mean, yes. we, we liked, we sat and we liked, uh, Zandon for, for third and fourth. You had him for third and fourth. You catch the try. Why? How did, how did you have it? That's how I had it. Cause I had an all ticket on top and I had four or five in the middle and I had Zandon keyed for third and fourth, you know? So, it it worked out. Um, uh, the the crazy. And it paid what five thousand or something? Was it five thousand? It was ten. 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 Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and that actually turned my my time in from uh, a losing session to a slight positive expectation for for the whole day, which was great. But I, it's like I left plays on the field because I I told everybody all year 
getting back to playing races. I thought the Derby, you had to have an all ticket in the Derby. I said that going into the race. I did it. I did it. I did it. And in my pick fives and pick sixes, which I was live, I had 14 horses, but I didn't have the 21. So, yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's a shame that I didn't stick to my original diagnosis of as a gambler and as somebody picking races, that was supposed to be an all ticket period. End of story. I was going to say off the Barry Meadow points you're making, there's two additional elements that go into that. On one hand, when you're making odds lines, you learn an important lesson in value of not every race being the type of race you should bet. And for the most part, a lot of times, if you make odds lines and you have horses that are underlays, they'll save you from opportunities where if you didn't have that compass guiding you, you would have been putting money in on a losing proposition because it's it, it, as for as many races as you can bet and win, you are better off to pass more races and strike where you have the best chance. And that's where the value sticks out. Like if you have an instance where you have a horse where you think this horse is one to nine to win bulldog Hanover is a good example. What Don is saying is that's a one to nine shot. You could just put, if you have $50, okay, you can put 50 to win on bulldog and get back what like 52 or you can turn that one to nine into four to five if you have a solid exacto, or maybe even a three, four to one. And at that point, a proposition like Bulldog Hanover just walking around the track becomes a much more enticing proposition because you have an opportunity where you can have this one to nine shot pay 10 bucks for two. And then you can hammer that for like 10, 20 bucks. And that's that's where you start building an edge both for your bankroll and also uh, for just what types of races you should be betting. Yeah, I think there's some interesting points there, uh, especially, you know, the, the opinion, just, just back to the Derby example, you know, the, no one's going to have the opinion, oh, I like Rich Strike in this race. But the correct opinion that Don had was, okay, it's wide open here, but I, I think Zandon is going is, is a horse that's going to finish up and finish third, finish fourth. So we're going to play around him. I mean, you can play around horses on the top end, but you can play around horses on the bottom end also. And that's where you can make scores. And there's lots of different ways to make scores. There's lots of different value depending on, you know, the type of race that you're in, uh, the, the type of setup a horse maybe is getting. And and if you like prices, that's where you're going to find scores. And, and it depends on your opinion and how you play around those things that you do like when whenever those horses do do race well that you can be successful and even if favorites do win you can you can gain value like we have the bulldog example we have the rich strike example those are two very extreme examples mm-hmm. but you can create value in any scenario if if you have the correct opinion but you're willing to bet in a way that that can set yourself up for success so and we don't talk about betting enough. And and I love having Don on here because he thinks different. He bets different. Like sitting with him for me sometimes blows my mind because of the way he thinks it. And I, I want to be around people that think different than me because it, it doesn't do you any good. And you can't learn anything from anybody that, that, that is, is so like-minded as you. So I feel like getting these opinions and getting these ideas out is, is helpful to everybody. Uh, yeah. I'll share another story because everyone loves good stories. So the uh, 2009 Kentucky Derby, mm-hmm. 
I uh, I loved the horse that ran third that year. I can't think of his Is that name. The Pioneer of the Nile. No, Pioneer of the Nile ran second. There was a horse oh, that ran third. I believe it was. Um, oh man, I, I, it was a catchy name. Um, I know Raphael Bayerano ran fourth because the only two horses I keyed in the race were uh, the 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 two or three horse that ran third and Raphael Bayerano was on the seventh. So this was mine at Birds Derby. Yeah, mine at Bird it, Derby. If you can right. figure out. Oh, who, Musket Man. Musket Man. So yeah, I loved Musket Man in the race. I had a twenty dollar exact the wheel, all Musket Man, and I had a two dollar try, all with. Or I should say Pioneer there now. Um, I think Larry Jones might have had a horse in there. Um, yeah, Friesian Fire. Yeah. So I had like he three ended or up four the favorite, horses. Actually, fire. He did. Yeah, he ended up the favorite. I had like three or four top and bottom with all tickets with Musket Man third. Now, they came down a stretch. There was a photo finish for second. It was extremely tight between Musket Man and Pioneer the Nile. And the crazy part about it was, this is a funny story. Another gambling buddy who passed away, God rest his soul, Tim. He was the he was the mush. He always I, I could give him a horse that from the barn that had no chance of losing. He would bet two dollars on it and it would break. I mean, he just he, <laughs> could, he could mush anything. Where I'm at the Derby, I'm actually at Churchill, and my phone rings, and he's like, "Hey man, I think I got this. I got Musket Man for second. And I said, "Oh, he's definitely third now." And uh, they did put him up for third. I think he had a $5 exacta. The exacta was paying $2,000. So I was looking at about 20 grand if they put him up for second in the exacta. But they put him up third, and I hit that try. And I think the try came back 64,000. I can't remember. But that that was one of the nicer scores that I had. And again, to this day, people always ask me, how the heck did you hit that trifecta? And I actually, in my office, have a a, a, a big plaque from that year because my friend Tim bought that for me because he knew I caught that big score. But again, that I say this because that's where Barry would be proud of this. Other guys that understand gambling. I didn't even spend that much money on the ticket. The ticket wasn't crazy. Like I might have had $800 into the Derby to win 60000 and uh, I could I couldn't have came up with mine that bird if you guys would have gave them to me. But by gambling and playing around with some tickets, that's how you catch a nice one. And that's you know th- these stories are just it it gives me hope in, in a lot of ways that you know these scores are out there and and there's guys that are capable of getting them and and we we give ideas on these podcasts and and we give we you know we might we break down races and we give you analysis but ultimately you need to decide for yourself how you want to play what you like in, in these races and and how do you want to gamble to be able to extract the most value so and i, I think we'll, we'll we'll move on here cuz we're we're already at 50 minutes on this podcast so we have about four more races to go and we might do them a little quicker but i, I feel like that this is very fascinating discussion that that we could probably talk for hours on uh, but let's let's go back to the races and and uh, this we'll go to race ten now and it's not worth a twenty thousand on the pace uh, and and uh, this starts the late pick for another fifty thousand dollar guaranteed pool. I, I felt like that this was another one that you might have had to spread out, right? What do you think? I love this race because you have a horse in my pal Joe who 
if this horse is not favored, I will my mind will be blown because I am anticipating that this is a race where people are going to see, wow, you went 46 and four behind Alleywag Hanover, Bulldog Han- lose Pearl. This is the play. Oh man, you've got to win this non-winners of 20,000, but I know my pal Joe. I've watched this horse race. I've seen him since he was this big. This is one that he's no guarantee, even if he can go 46, even if he's in the Breeders' Crown, even if he's against these tougher horses, he is not a guarantee to deliver here. That said, that provides great value in the start of the t- of the pick four sequence if we can beat him. There are three horses that I think have decent shots at doing that. One is South Beach Star. He's always raced well here at the Meadowlands. His only issue is that some there are some weeks where he just isn't 100%, but he's giving you at least 80-90% on most occasions, and he's been grinding a decent living over at Harris Philadelphia in the last couple of weeks. Uh, had two starts off of a six scratch, finished second in one, second in another. He look, He's going to probably re- appreciate moving back to the big track. Caliber has raced fantastically in his last two starts, winning against Weaker, moving up two classes and almost winning there albeit was in a good spot off a fast pace, but maybe this horse has a bit more than those perfect trips are showing. Maybe if this horse has a little bit of adversity, even though he's been off two weeks, he'll have something extra to offer. And then the nine, all you need is faith was dominating those opens over at Saratoga moved to the McDermott barn last out. They tried to sit a little farther off the speed, but you know, 58 and two first half real tough for him to gain any kind of ground from that. I'm interested to see how this one delivers on the bigger track because he went 49-2 and two earlier this year. That was a life best that he went here at the Meadowlands. So I have to imagine that he fits this group because, again, the whole goal is we're imagining my pal Joe is 1, 2, 3 to 5, and we can get a real nice price to start the pick for. Don? I wouldn't play my pal Joe with either one of your monies, and that's nothing against don't! the horse. It's just uh, he's got two races in uh, two months. And uh, I thought he was very aggressively placed in the Breeders' Crown, aggressively placed in the Alarage, um, outside post. Uh, yeah, definitely a play against. I was only three nine here. Um, Ray said enough about South Beach Star. I mean, he, he got beat three to five last time out. He's always around the ticket, must use. And I went to the far outside here. I liked the nine. I was only too deep in here. All you need is faith. Uh, you know, some nice nines. Uh, I always find it intriguing when they take a horse straight from a half mile track right to the mile track. I mean, 11 to 30 this year, 127,000 in the bank was here earlier in the meet scored in 49, you know, fits in the race. Obviously that uh, post can be difficult because, but he does show leaving on a half mile track from the six hole. So he can get in play. I'm not worried about that, but I thought either South beach star would find his way to the winter circle or the nine might, might upset him. I agree on the three. I agree on the nine. I would use two others, uh, not to my pal Joe, but the two Ocean Ridge who steps up, uh, has won two straight. This barn is known for getting horses good and keeping them good. Uh, this horse has seven wins, and that was a pretty fast race last time. 51-1, and one, draws well again, probably will be a price. And I, I don't know that, that Dexter will stick here. He might end up on the nine. But uh, the four, Anna Afrit, uh, another one that has back class. I mean, this horse has made almost 400000 and. Gets a slight drop, maybe needs a wake up, but against this bunch, I think could end up with a wake up. So I would use the three, use the nine. You also use the two and the four. Tough the 11th start race for Culifer, is, too, if you yeah. notice. 
three for 46 so far this meet. Well, he's got to wake up eventually, don't you think? Yeah, it's usually um, around this time of year. Race number 11, track master rating 83 or less for $12,000 purse. Uh, this one I thought was a challenging race also. Uh, what say you, Don? My, I'm, I'm too deep here, 2-4. Um, I'll talk about mind trip a little bit. He might be the most talented horse on the entire card. I will tell you that. Now, with that said, you know I used to have a very good old class horse named Sam Hill. He mm -hmm. had two bad legs but a huge heart. Mind trip, I know because I know I've known the horse since he was a baby at two years old. He's been passed around a couple times. He's got some uh, physical um, issues, uh, but, you know, a very game horse, one of those horses that does shows up and races through it. Um, he's found himself in the claiming ranks and now in lower condition races. Uh, Pete Wren had this horse for a couple years. I believe Dylan Davis might have had him for a while, too. Mm -hmm. Now he's in the uh, Christie, Jimmy Pantliano barn. Those are Ohio connections that spent years at the Meadows and then kind of moved out east with some of the um, pots out at Pocono and stuff like that. Jimmy P, you know, most of the guys at the Meadowlands, he was there years and years ago, but he's not a household name. He's got five drives, but the guy can drive. He's a good driver. And uh, this is just a nice stab because, you know, this horse has been large on the tote board last two efforts. First start in the Meadowlands got parked from the nine hole. Just the fact that he was able to go forward with him, I think shows you that, you know, the horse obviously has talent. So sometimes when you're looking to find something like I like to go through races like that. Interesting. The nine like clockwork. If you look at the breeding, that's the same breeding that bought us uh, forever boy this year. Um, walk around mm -hmm. the clock. Damn. Um, Tim Twaddle did have this horse as a two year old too. This was the first crop of the ponders. And he was what's horse of the year at the Meadows at uh, yes, at two, I believe. Two absolute killer at two. Um, obviously, same thing. He's an overnight condition horse now, but th this is the kind of field you have. That's the only reason I pointed that out. You have a lot of horses that are just good, solid overnight horses. And then high baller. Um, we were talking before the show that you know how many races I bet or what I'm doing. Two starts back when he won, I had the horse that ran second. I had like a 25 or $30 exactly with highballer second and highballer looked like he was a dead second and he found some legs late. Travis Alexander for the listening audience. Um, I know what he does. He works extremely hard in the morning and uh, he gets his horses ready to race and gets the most out of them. Uh, another good inside draw. Last time he had the two hole, obviously he won. Uh, when he had the rail, three back at Yonkers, he won. When he had the five hole at Pocono, five back, he won. Seven hole Meadowlands, he was fifth by a length, and then the tour of the track when he was off a week and he had the nine hole at the Meadowlands and just kind of went around there. But, uh, dangerous horse, seven for 24 this year. Again, he's a four year old turning five, uh, just starting to get ripe. So, you, I, I like the old timer mind trip or the, the up and coming high baller. I am against both of them. I am too deep as well. I don't use either. I thought about singling Game of Change because this horse was locked and loaded the entire way against similar last out and couldn't get any kind of daylight. So now from a draw where he can kind of choose his own destiny, I am inclined to think that he will perform much better, especially, you know, horses that tend to get locked like that and they have a lot to offer. They'll they'll usually show more in their next start. Uh, Paternity Suits, another one that I think can grind into it potentially is two thirds uh, against similar 
consecutive starts, but he's always getting into the mix and he's one where maybe he just trips out into the right place. He can find his way into the winner's circle, but those are the main two. I'm not a big fan of like clockwork. I remember that race he won in and I was so against him. I thought that he he should have lost that race. And to be fair, he had every right to lose that race and he still won, but it wasn't that great of a field. So Mr. Donald's also not used for me. I don't think mind trips, the same mind trip of your rock eyed optimist is doing his hijinks again. So another kind of process elimination bet here, uh, going with paternity suit. Honestly, I wouldn't pose anyone singling game of change. I agree on game of change. I think that that horse is a must use. Uh, I'm going to use mine trip because he couldn't have had a worse trip from the nine hole. And on uh, 11, 26, you know, the horse likes to track, you know, that Jim is going to be forwardly placed. Can he get the horse a trip? Cause if he does get a trip, he's going to be a price. And I think he has a, a chance. And then another 10 horse, the 10 good rockin who won at 69 to one on November 19th from absolute no man's land. Uh, then had the 10 hole again and, and was actually bet in hours of 7,500 and really, you know, was outside a long way. Then the, you know, raced well again at this level last week, uh, just missing. This barn is is sending out a lot of live horses. Here's another race that could lend itself to a price, especially if you get the mind trips of the world, uh, blowing the, the pace up and the rock out optimists who've been known to kind of fly early. I just feel like that this horse is interesting if he gets a trip and another one that's going to be a big price. So I was 4, 8, 10 there. The 12th race is numbers of 14,000 on the trot. Uh, this is a nice group here, Ray. What do you think? Uh, this was a race where I, you know, I don't know what to do with a lot of horses because I've, I've watched all these horses for years and all of them are fairly even to me. So in that respect, you could label this as an all race because any one of them can certainly win. A lot of them have wronged me in some degree. And so I also try and have a certain amount of credence in that way like Tacoa Falls is one that I am always against just because every time I think the horse is going to win he's always just a little bit short or he just gets caught and things just don't go his way uh Jula Muscle Pack has a lot of stuff to get together I wasn't that impressed with Stride the Hills race and now he's going up against much tougher horses than were in that race uh this week Rich and Miserable is not the same one who could just drop into a class like this and go gate to wire all of this to say it might just be single delayed Hanover and just trust that on the class drop third start in the Kevin McDermott barn, he's going to do whatever delayed Hanover used to do, or even like some degree of it. Cause even if he just has a fraction of what he can do, that might just be enough to beat this field. Okay. I'm going to jump in a little bit here after I'm going to go to Don in a second, but I have access to, Edison's morning line and I was curious what he thought of this race because I felt like that this was a tough race to make a morning line on so this is early morning line here for race number 12 and he has the nine the favorite five to two uh with the five second choice a three to one he has stride the hill six to one in the morning line now I would have thought a lot lower Don what do you think about this race yeah, my morning line would have had uh, Stride a Hill probably five to two, three to one. To me, this race is is a, a is a twofold: the old and the new. The old is uh, rich and miserable and delayed Hanover, and maybe I shouldn't use the word old. Maybe accomplished because both of those trotters have a resume. Um, 
as Ray said, rich and miserable two years ago when he got into this level out of the opens, you know, he was an automatic, um, still a nice horse. The Buters have done great with this, this trotter. Could he still score here? Yes, I believe he could. Delayed Hanover. Could he score here? Yes, I believe he could. Are they both cinches? No, I don't believe they are. But Strida Hill, this is a three-year-old. He's just getting better. He's finishing up his season. And uh, he had a pretty good season. Five of 13 uh, in his last couple have been uh, good. Both of you alluded to Nick Trennan having a great meet. Um, we haven't seen the best of Strida Hill yet. And uh, if Georgie does come over to drive this horse, um, I, I think he's going to be a major player in here. I also think Dakota Falls, yeah, he, you know, he's burned some money, but 16 to 29 this year. That's pretty good. I mean, that, that in uh, Per Engblom is a great trot trainer. Um, I, I think they're starting to figure this one out. Again, he's the up and coming, even though he's a five year old. Heck, he was 0 for 24 last year. So um, they stuck with him as a five year old to keep going. So, uh, you know, I, I would say that's all I'm deep here. One, four, five, nine. I was just too deep for me. Uh, and, and like, I'm, I was sort of against Stride the Hill only because. He's a three-year-old, and these are some nice horses. I mean, Rich and Miserable was laid up coming to that last start, was off several weeks, and really never got into it. Steve Smith was driving. If anybody but Steve Smith is is driving, uh, I think that he rates a, a much better chance in this race, so I would use him. And then the seven, D-Red Delicious. Uh, here's Travis Alexander. The horse is racing well at the level, shipped up from Philly, and was right there against uh, you know these last time. I think he fits. He's going to be forwardly placed, and he's sort of sitting on a win. I feel like that with that early speed, probably can make its own trip, and you're going to get a decent price on this one. I mean, and none of, neither one of you guys mentioned this horse, and this horse is racing just as well as, as any of them, just comes out of a 52 and 2 miles. So give me the 5 7 in race number 12. Okay, the last race. 13th race. I thought this was a tough race. Three and four year old claiming handicap, 25 to 30. Uh, I think who are we on Don for this one? I think so. Yeah. I, I, you know, when I look at a race like this again, as I've stated a couple times, I bet races, I don't bet horses. It's kind of intriguing. It's a good getaway feature because you got more questions than answers. Um, so I'm going to go on some things that I know as far as answers. The other thing that's interesting about this time of season is we start selling a lot of horses because some of these horses were meant for just the sire stakes program um, other horses, you know, might've passed their sire stake program last year. And now someone's trying to make them a, a useful overnight uh, horse. And that's both of the horses I'm going to talk about. I'll start with blue ocean. He was in the Mike Hall barn since move over to, uh, the Fusco group. Um, nice effort last time off left the switch 20 to one, uh, got shuffled a little bit, finished with pace again. Um, nice price, but a horse that's 12 of 18 first, second and third. Uh, obviously racing some of the races in the um, uh, Rosecroft, which it's two of those miles at Rosecroft are very nice efforts right before they sold them. They actually took his mark down there, 52-2. and two. Then they moved him up to the Yonkers, and they have a great three- and four-year-old series, which this horse could probably find him back over there. They have a lot of good races for three- and four-year-old condition horses. Uh, didn't fare too well. Drew the rail. Don't know what happened there. But his Meadowlands race was encouraging. And, again, this is a horse. Um, I, I, it's just intriguing to me, you know. Um, the other horse, Jackie Moon. I'll give you a little history on Jackie Moon. 
he actually, this horse pulled on Charlie May one night. This is uh, an Ohio bred that was uh, at two and three, did race against Charlie May a couple times. And I believe one time he might have been second choice with us. Uh, Stephen Walters from uh, Western Pennsylvania, who uh, used to train with Mike Pallone and um, some of the other good stables that came out of Western PA. He had this horse and they thought pretty high of him as a three-year-old and a two-year-old. He never really panned out to be that kind of level. Um, since it looks like he was probably purchased at a sale or put through a sale ring or something. Uh, but again, a horse that I did see some ability when he raced against Charlie May. You know, I'll, I'll give him some credit for that. And, uh, you know, he made $118,000 uh, as, well, he probably made about 50 or 60 as a two-year-old because he made 28 this year, 40 last year. So he made some money as a two-year-old, and that's mainly when I remember his races. But he does show speed. He took some air. And uh, outside post... Again, I don't know how he's going to get involved. That's going to be up to David Miller. Uh, but another race, I think, that's a driver's race and a lot more questions than answers. So, you know, those are just two stabs. Both of those horses, I feel, too, will be 10 to 1 plus on a tote board. Just peeking. I just want to peek real quick, Ray, before you go. Okay. Morning line here on the on these horses. This is preliminary morning lines now. Uh, Blue Ocean. Six to one and the nine, five to one. So middle price. What's, what's the three? Three, four to one. Okay. I mean that that makes sense. I that's the only horse I could really see in this race. This is a, this has always been a tough class for me. Uh mostly because a lot of times if you want three and four year olds to race in claimers, they're going to have to race against older horses. So when they get restricted to race against their own race against their peers, it's it, it, there's a certain level of allowance you can give to some of the lines that you're reading from these horses, but like all, all in all, the only horse that's really showing me any kind of interesting form is instantaneous. This horse won a massive mile against rock eyed optimist three starts ago, and then went to the smaller track and was probably burdened by the smaller track comes back to the bigger track where this horse has done well in the past. I, a lot of these other horses are more risky propositions for me in all honesty, if I'm looking to bet a ticket where I want to try and hit it a couple of times, I feel my best chance and my most reliable chance at an okay price might just be in singling instantaneous. Who's going to be involved in some capacity. Okay. So I do like a horse in this race and it's the five joint account. Uh, if you watch that race on the first and that was a, that was that Thursday night. It was a last race. This horse took an absolute death shuffle and had pace in the lane uh, was basically jumping over them really had nowhere to go just no trip whatsoever. This horse has had different drivers in its last four starts. Now, Andrew McCarthy's listed. Does he ends up, end up on this horse? I think he does that. This horse has a very big chance. Uh, he's listed nine to two on the line preliminarily. I would single this horse. I think this, this horse gets any kind of trip and he could get lost on the board here. There there's, this is going to be a race. There's not going to be any big definitive favorite at all. And, and it's very wide open. I think if you want to create value in this late sequence, and, and you can kind of, uh, in a race where I think a lot of people will be spreading, I'm going to try to key the five joint account, hope he gets a trip. Uh, now, depending on if McCarthy kind of picks off and who's driving, that could change my mind a little bit. I do think that the 10 has some possibilities just because it's Osiello, Dexter Dunn's listed. Uh, I might pivot there if, depending on who's driving the five, but right now I'd be keying the five joint account in that late pick four. So let's give our tickets here. 
we'll start. Let's start with that early pick four. Ray, do you have early pick four ticket? Yeah. So this is this is two prong. Prong one would be uh, the eight with the three five eight with the eight singling Toronto with one four nine just for fifty cents. That's four dollars and fifty cents. But I would probably bet that multiple times. And then the spreader ticket is the first and second legs are the same. So it's eight with three five eight. With three six eight nine with one four nine, that's eighteen bucks for fifty cents. I would probably just bet that one for fifty cents. Don, you have an early. Yes, I do. Um, as you know, I tend to play bigger tickets, but this one isn't that okay. big. It would be a fifty cent uh, pick four seven eight with all in the the next leg. Come back with one three eight in the third leg, and finish that off with one eight. So I believe that's a $60 ticket for 50 cents. Okay, not, not bad at all. Um, mine's 36. I'm 7-8, also in that first race. Uh, three five seven eight leg two. one three nine uh, going against Toronto in the third leg. That's race number eight. And then we'll finish it off with one nine ten. Hopefully we get some value. That's $36. So that's the early pick for Saturday night. Late pick for Ray. Uh, late pick four. I just have the single ticket to give. That's three six nine with six eight with nine with three, and that's three dollars for fifty cents. Definitely trying to hit that a couple times. Don late one. Uh, mine is more picked out. I'm going to go three nine in the first leg with. Hold on, let me see. I apologize. Is that race ten start right? Yes, it is. I'm yeah, sorry. Mm-hmm. right. So I've got three nine with. And I'm going to actually add a couple horses here in the second leg. I only had two four, but I'm going to go two four um, eight in the third leg, and then I'm going to go one four five nine. You know, in the uh, I'm sorry, third leg, and then the the final the getaway. I'm going to add in the three and go three seven nine in the thirteenth. Actually, make that one more three six seven nine. Slick Richard was another horse that uh, I thought one of you guys might pick, and uh, I'm just going to toss him in there as well. All right. So my late would be fifteen dollars. Um, actually, twelve dollars. Uh, two, three, four, nine in leg one. Four, eight, ten leg two. Five, seven uh, with the five. That's twelve bucks for fifty cents. And like Ray said, I probably would play that a couple times. Now I might vary and and, and include the ten on that on that ticket depending on driver uh, things. Uh, uh, we're going off the proofs here, guys. So there's going to be some driver changes and things. Uh, this is an, an early version of this program, so just keep that in mind and and keep an eye on on driver switches. Keep an eye for scratches and number changes. Uh, make sure you check your tickets before you play because these these numbers are subject to change. All right, well, let's finish up. We're at an hour and 15 minutes. We're a little longer than we wanted to. Uh, Ray, you at Rosecroft tomorrow? Yes, um, at Rosecroft tomorrow night. We got 14 races on tap, and then I head right up 95 and the New Jersey Turnpike Friday morning to call at Freehold, 11 races Friday afternoon. They start at 1230. Rosecroft starts at 715. And then, uh, this is a little birdie secret right now, but... I'm going to be doing a live stream with Horse Racing Nation Saturday night for the Hong Kong Jockey Club and the International Jockeys Challenge with Mr. Ed DeRosa. That's going to be a real late night. I feel like you need a special guest for that. I I feel like I might be awake. We'll we'll, we'll see. I I, I hear there's a cast of characters that might be 
coming round. But that that's Saturday night. I think their first post is 11.30 p.m. Eastern. Uh, but don't quote me on that. Don, what do you have to plug for us? What do you want to uh, shout out to whoever you like, your son, your wife, your you know best friend? I think you guys might have heard my son in the background. He came over. He <laughs> He's a little hard to keep down because when he knows dad's in the house, he, he he wants to chase me down. So I apologize about that. But no, he's... He's my pride and joy, and uh, just wishing everybody a uh, safe and healthy, happy holidays. Uh, yeah, continue the good work that Nahu does. Can Ray continue the work you're doing for racing? Um, it's important that uh, people come out and support live racing. Everybody knows that's my calling card. Uh, you'll see me at a lot of racetracks, especially when my horses are racing. But the big events are good, and we've had some uh, excitement with uh, Bulldog Hanover. There's a lot of other uh, great aged horses uh, coming up again next year. It's going to be another exciting year. And uh, get out to a racetrack and, and support racing and uh, keep up the good work at Nahu. Thank you. So we definitely appreciate Don coming because I think that it's been a, a, a very uh, – It's this has been a different pod, uh, but a lot of great ideas on it. Uh, go to NahuPicks.com. We got Meadows during the week, Meadowlands – Fridays and Saturdays and some odd dates here and there, Thursdays, Sundays. they got a couple Sundays coming up, I believe, in January. Uh, Woodbine Mohawk, Monday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday nights. I have the picks there. Murray da- Murray Slaw has Century Downs. Him and I will be doing the Mohawk podcast tomorrow on In the Money. So Ed away this week. We'll be with him uh, tomorrow. So catch that one also. Uh, we're going to wrap it up. I don't talk about sports the way Ed does. He wants to bet some <laughs> random golf tournament and God knows where. Uh, so go to NahuPicks.com. Go to InTheMoneyPodcast.com. Just keep supporting our content. We appreciate all you guys. Uh, enjoy. Talk to you next time.